The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice. Contains God's plan for the family. Also has the truth about life and death. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. I'm glad that you've come back today to uh, study the Bible a little bit longer with us. Uh, we do this each week for 30 minutes. We study the Bible, but you direct the program. We take your questions. There's a phone number and a website on the screen. Use those anytime to get in touch with us. Whatever you would like to know about the Bible, we'll try to find you an answer. Uh, we get a lot of questions about life. Uh, what's the Bible have to say about this situation or that? And we're happy to try to find you some principles from God's Word. So that's what we do. Uh, let us know what you'd like us to talk about, and we'll get to it as quickly as we can. I'm Steve Tandy, and i got two gentlemen over here that answer questions. Toby Levering, Sarah Toby. Hi, Good morning. Jeff Martin's back. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Glad you guys are here and ready to answer a few, but our viewers always get the first crack. So here's the viewer question of the day. Uh, the apostle who was a former tax collector, multiple choice, was that Levi, James, or Matthew? I'll give you the answer at the end of the program, see if you get that one right. All right, looks like Toby's got the first one, a little yep. Bible question. A lot of Bible questions on this show. This one's a translation question about the particular kinds of version. Why do you not use the King James Version on your program? Well, first I'll start by saying sometimes we do. Most of the time you are correct. We use different translations. Uh, and some people believe in King James only, and they say it's the only authorized version. Well, we need to understand that that's what the King James Version says, but who authorized that version? King James, okay? So it doesn't mean it's authorized by God, and uh, there are other good English translations. For me, uh, I can't answer for Steve and Jeff, but uh, when I tend to answer and give scriptures, I want scriptures that are easily readable and understandable to a mass audience. Uh, as you may guess, 1611 English is a little bit different than 2022 English. Uh, there are lots of things that don't translate. One well-known example we've talked about before is the verse that in the King James that talks about my bowels of compassion. Well, that that doesn't even register. What does that even mean? That sounds like a uh, a medical condition more than anything else. And so the the newer, more modern translations render that into uh, the heart. We understand that. It makes more sense. Language evolves over time. We are not drifting away from the original meaning. Of course, if we want to go to the original, we would look at the Hebrew for the Old Testament and Koine Greek for the New Testament. But any modern English translation will work fine. Occasionally, we do use King James. Um, we don't always, but uh, they are, we generally, we use the English Standard Version, the New American Standard, uh, uh, the, even the New King James, which does a little bit better job of, of making the English a little more readable and understandable in today's English. So uh, aside from translations, we just need to ma mainly focus on it's the Word, it's the power of Scripture uh, that we're focused on. Let's read 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God 
profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you are a student with King James, that is just fine. Uh, as long as you follow along, read and study your Bible, that's be just fine. And um, for anyone, any of those translations that we mentioned will be, will be useful in your reading or your study of God's Word. All right. Got one here that will be of interest to about seven, eight, nine-year-old girls probably. <laughs> Question about unicorns. A uh, viewer says, I heard that unicorns are mentioned in the Bible. Is that true? Uh, well, the, the answer is it depends which Bible you pick up. Toby was just talking about translations. And if you pick up the King James, which uh, Toby's question was about, uh, you can find the word unicorn in there. Uh, if you pick up any other translation, uh, more modern English translation, uh, you will find where the King James says unicorn. You'll find uh, wild ox or uh, uh, bull or there's a couple that even say rhinoceros. So uh, the point is we're not sure what that word referred to. Uh, the word is ream, and one place it's found is in Job chapter 39. Let's just read a couple of verses there, which will give us the idea. Job 39, verses 9 through 12, parts of them. Uh, God said, will the wild ox, the ream, R-E-E-M, or unicorn in King James, will the wild ox consent to serve you? Will it stay by your manger at night? Can you hold it to a furrow with a harness? Can you trust it to haul in your grain and bring it to your threshing floor? Okay, it's obvious what God was doing there. Uh, in fact, if you read that whole big passage, number of chapters, God is telling Job that he doesn't understand creation. Uh, he doesn't understand what all God made and how God made it. Uh, so God goes through a number of wonderful things he created. And here's one thing he points out. He said, you've got uh, oxen, domesticated cattle, that will plow your fields for you and will stay in the manger and, and all that. But the wild ox or the reem, uh, you can't control him. Uh, he, he won't plow your fields for you and he won't stay where you tell him to. He's a wild creature, uh, which is what God was trying to explain to Job. Now, we don't know exactly what that animal is. A lot of people have guessed that it was you know, some kind of wild ox that's uh, extinct now, uh, but we just don't know. And when I said a couple of translations use rhinoceros, uh, I think they get that from King James' one-horned thing. They figure, well, that would fit, and it certainly fits. Uh, God's description there in Job 39. So uh, some kind of a wild creature uh, that probably doesn't exist anymore, but probably was not a painted pony kind of unicorn with the fluffy pink tail and all that that the little girls like. Uh, some kind of wild creature. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. I've got a viewer uh, that wants to has a question about discipline. Do you think the verse about spare the rod and spoil the child is still true? Uh, and to answer in short, absolutely I do. Uh, but I'll go into a little detail and explain that. I have two sons, two young sons that I love more than anything. And because I love them, I discipline them. And that is, that is really important. And this is a common sense concept. Uh, m many people, even people who are not believers, understand this, that we discipline our children because we love them. 
Uh, we, want, we don't want to see them suffer the consequences in their adult life for making bad choices. So we give them a punishment or a consequence now so they can learn. Um, they need to understand that certain choices have bad outcomes, and that's why we discipline. Now, there are multiple ways to discipline. Uh, and this verse is, is talking about discipline in general. It's not specifically talking about or ruling out corporal punishment. Uh, and how a parent decides to discipline is definitely their choice. But I highly recommend that uh, parents follow this proverb and do discipline. Because all of us know what an undisciplined child looks like. We've all been uh, shopping or, or out in public and we've seen a child that is unruly or hitting their parents or throwing things across the room or screaming at the top of their lungs. And common sense tells most of us exactly what that child needs. Uh, and then that child needs it uh, because we, we love them. So let's see exactly what the verse that this phrase comes from says. Uh, and again, like so many verses in the Bible, this echoes common sense. Proverbs 13, 24, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Uh, so really simple proverb there. God shows us our sin in part through the consequence of that sin. And we are mimicking that when we, when we discipline our children. Again, we want them to have consequences now so they can avoid consequences later. Um, so I'm a firm believer that if you love your children, you will discipline them. So yes, uh, in my opinion, that verse still rings true today. All righty. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, legal disclaimer, we don't condone abuse of children. No, <laughs> There's a difference far. between that and, and corporal punishment. Yeah. Uh, and we don't say that every child needs corporal punishment. That's there, right. are, there are some children that you just look at them cross-eyed and they'll straighten right up. They're all different, yeah. <laughs> They're all different, but there are some that need a little switch occasionally. Well, I, you know, I think one of the objections a lot of times I hear from parents concerning the subject is, I don't like doing it, it's hard. Well, and that's that. It, it, it's true, it's not easy to do, um, but I think there's something that God puts in there for parents to keep from overdoing it. Yes. And so that's, that's a, you know, we... We're not, like you said, we're not talking about abuse here. We're just talking about <laughs> correcting them and getting them on the right path and yep. moving them forward. I so. think the folks used to say, this hurts me more than it does you. Yeah. I never believed that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go for that story. <laughs> All right, let's talk about a good way to study the Bible. We've got some uh, tools that we're happy to offer you absolutely free of charge if you'd like to become a little more serious Bible student. Uh, here's a set of lessons. There's eight in it, and it's just a good overview of the Bible. Uh, not tied to any church or denomination or creed. It just helps you learn what's in the Bible. Once you get through with that, we've got some other courses that will take you a little bit uh, into more detail about the life of Jesus and a number of other things that uh, we have some courses for. Like I said, we pay the postage both ways. There's no cost to you in any way. If you'd like to do an online course, we've got some of those. Log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org. Uh, they'll fix you up with an online course that is a great Bible study and uh, help you learn your Bible. So those are some of the options we've got. Use that phone number or website that's on the screen. Tell us you'd like that free course, and we'll get you one in the mail right away. 
or if you'd like to start digitally, just uh, log on one world one way dot dot org. They'll get you going. All right, Toby. Yes, a question about uh, how were people saved in the Old Testament? How can how can people the people be saved who lived before Jesus? died on the cross yes that's a great question you think about you know we we understand salvation comes through christ but what about those who lived before christ how did that work of people like abraham and noah and david people we believe were saved but of course uh before christ how does that work well the bible points us to uh the fact that they were saved by faith we believe that faith pointed them toward Christ. We're going to look at a few verses, and I'll give you some scripture that you can read on your own. Um, but the, the, the center point of the whole Bible is Christ. Uh, from Genesis 3, where it talks about the seed of woman, uh, all the way through the characters of the Bible, it's, uh, and, and the Gospels, and then the Acts of the um, Apostles uh, and the early church, it's all centered on Christ. And so he is the uh, means of salvation for them and for us today, for those who came after Christ and those who came before. Uh, and the connection to Christ is by faith. So let's look at a couple of scriptures. First of all, Hebrews chapter 10. This whole book is talking about the difference between the old law and the new law, the old covenant and the new. And, and the writer uses the word better again and again, talking about how the new covenant is so much better. He says this, verses 11 through 14. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, for by a single offering he, was per he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So we, we see in this just few verses explains that, you know, the old system, and of course, this is the writer's writing to Christians who had come out of uh, the living under the old law and were used to keeping the sacrifices and, and, and offerings and all of the things that they uh, were commanded to do under the Old Testament. And now bringing them out of that into the new covenant is very different. And he's saying this is a better sacrifice. This is a higher priest. Uh, it is one offering, not multiple offerings. And it's once for all time and for everyone by a single offering he per perfected for all time so we believe that your answer to the question is christ he is the one uh now the uh people of the old covenant may uh, abraham and noah and so forth they may not not have known exactly who Jesus was and where, you know, what his name would be and all of that, but they trusted God. Uh, you look at Hebrews chapter 11. This is the whole point of it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the Hebrews of faith, uh, heroes of faith. Every single character's description starts with this description. By faith, by faith, by faith. Verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he earnestly, eagerly rewards those who are seeking him. And so um, the answer is by faith, both before Christ and after Christ, it all centers on faith and trust in him. Uh, if you want another uh, scripture to read, uh, look at Romans chapter 4, verses 13 and following. So uh, Christ is the key uh, to how everyone, both then and now, is being saved. All right, viewer asked about the Ten Commandments. says, do you not believe that the Ten Commandments are relevant today? Uh, and I'm 
sure that a lot of our old-time viewers get tired of us talking about this, uh, but we get questions about it. Every once in a while we'll say something about we're not under the Ten Commandments anymore. Um, that gets some people excited. They say, well, the Ten Commandments are eternal. Those are the biggies. How can you say you're not under the Ten Commandments? Uh, and we explain it every once in a while. Let me do that again. Let me try something a little different this time. Uh, we broadcast from Wichita, Kansas. Back in the 1880s, Wyatt Earp was the sheriff in Wichita, and there was a city code. There was a list of laws, and those laws said don't steal your neighbor's horse, uh, don't murder, don't lie in court. Uh, and then there were a lot of other laws, like where you could park your horse, I guess, and the, all kinds of things that applied to that day. Uh, today, the 21st century, Wichita has a city code, a list of laws, and it still says don't steal, uh, don't murder, don't lie, uh, but a lot of those other laws aren't in force anymore. Okay. Now, some of those laws are universal and always good and all that, and they're repeated in today's code. Well. That's the way we think about the Old Testament and the New Testament. <clears throat> the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Old Covenant law was for the Israelites and for a certain time. Uh, it was taken out of the way at the cross, and we have a new code of laws. Now, some of the old ones are repeated. Uh, Jesus said, you don't lie. Jesus said, you don't steal. Uh, all those are in the New Testament. But the ones that are not in the New Testament, uh, we're not to follow those. So when we say we're not under the Ten Commandments, they're very relevant. A number of them are repeated in the New Testament, but we're not under their their authority. So that's what we mean when we say we're not under the Ten Commandments. Are they relevant? Oh, certainly. Uh, they're great moral laws of God. Uh, nine of them anyway. One of them is not repeated in the New Testament, uh, which is about keeping the Sabbath day. You can't find that one in the New Testament. Uh, but the others are certainly very, very relevant and very, very in force in the new law. So um, that's, that's how we think about the Ten Commandments. Great eternal principles, many of them, uh, but we're just not under their authorization right now. Okay. Uh, I've got one about baptism, which we get from time to time. Viewer wants to know, who is authorized to baptize someone, any believer or only ministers? Uh, and the Bible never gives us a direct answer to this question, but it does give us some context clues. And again, this is why context is so important. Some of the things that we believe come from the stories in the Bible. And when the Bible uh, gives account of baptism, it usually talks about what that baptism is for and the fact that that baptism happened rather than who is authorized to baptize. So in the book of Acts, in every instance that a baptism occurred, especially in the instances where we know who performed those baptisms, they were all followers of Christ, and in every named case, uh, they were men. If you look at Acts 2, Peter and the apostles baptized large number, numbers of believers. Uh, if you look in Acts 6 and 8, Philip baptized believers in Samaria. Uh, and of course, throughout the book of Acts, you see that Paul baptized uh, several people, 
several different times. Uh, but the best indirect answer that the Bible gives is in Matthew 28, 18 through 19. So let's look at that together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is a commission that believers follow today. When we read this, this is, this is what we should be doing as believers. So if you take that verse in Matthew, the Great Commission, and you couple it with the context clues from the book of Acts, you can see that the qualifications, as far as we know, would be a man who is a believer in Jesus Christ and has also been baptized. Uh, so not just ministers to answer the viewer's question. And if you ever get a chance as a believer to baptize someone, it's a, it's a great privilege and I highly recommend it. Um, but that's, that's what we know from context on who is authorized to, to baptize people. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Let me take just a second and invite you to visit the Church of Christ. Uh, churches of Christ provide this program for you, and uh, we're kept on the air by a lot of different Churches of Christ that are in our viewing area, so we like to thank some of them. And every once in a while, we mention the home church of Know Your Bible. That's what we're going to do today, uh, the Northside Church of Christ. We're up on North Meridian, on the uh, headed toward Valley Center as you go out of Wichita. Uh, very easy to find off of K96, and a great group of folks there, a wonderful youth group. Uh, we've got Celebrate Recovery on Thursday evenings for folks that are looking for help with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Uh, got a lot of programs and ways to get involved, and uh, just a great group of folks that uh, study and think about the Bible a whole lot like we do on this program, uh, since Jeff and Toby and I all attend there at Northside. So uh, drop in, visit us sometime. We'd enjoy meeting you. If uh, you know a Church of Christ in your neighborhood, uh, that uh, you know somebody that attends there, tell them. You watch Know Your Bible and you heard about them on Know Your Bible. So visit the Church of Christ sometime. All right, Toby, what's yeah. up uh, here? Does the Bible say, question, does the Bible say the earth will remain forever? My answer to that is yes and no. So there's one Old Testament verse in the book of Ecclesiastes, so we can look at that one on the screen. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4 says, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. <clears throat> well, you know, Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom here. Solomon writing some truisms and, and some, I think this verse is just giving some perspective. He's basically just saying that uh, the, the, the earth is a planet that God designed, and it is a, it's a pretty tough old rock. Uh, and it outlasts generations of people coming and going. We understand that. Um, in fact, I, I was listening the other day to a comedian, and he was saying, you know, think of the arrogance for people who think that, they, that human beings can destroy the earth. The old earth has survived a lot of things, solar flares and floods and being hit by uh, things from outer space and uh, all sorts of things that have happened to the earth, and the earth just keeps on spinning. Uh, uh, he kind of said, you know, we're not going to destroy the earth. Uh, we're going to be destroyed. We're not going to last. Uh, the earth will still be here long after we're gone. Well, that's what Solomon's saying. He's saying this, this planet was designed with longevity in mind, and it's always going to be around. Now, 
There's another sense in which the Bible doesn't say that. We look at the New Testament, look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, The day of the Lord, this judgment day, will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Some translations say will be destroyed. Uh, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 51 said the earth is going to wear out like a garment. Give us this idea that maybe around for a while, but it's not a everlasting, eternal place. Then in the scope of eternity, the earth is temporary. So, yes, <laughs> in the sense that it's going to outlast a lot of people and it's been around a long time, probably be around a long time lower. And, but when the earth or when the Lord returns, the earth and the heavens and everything of the created order that we know, all that's going to be destroyed. So, uh, and it's a, it's a yes and no question. Try not to give those too often. But the point is this world is a temporary place. As the old hymn goes, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Hope that helps you. All right, question about Satan. Did God send Satan to earth before he created people? All right, let's see if we can figure out the timeline here. The bottom line answer is we don't know for sure, but let's figure out what we do know. Uh, let's go first to uh, Job chapter 38. It's not on the screen, but in verse 4, and God is talking to Job about how he created the world. And he's pointing out that Job wasn't there and he didn't know what happened. Uh, but he says, uh, when he laid the foundation, when the footings were set, who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. All right. So from that one verse, and that's really the only clue we've got, is God made angels and then he created the world. Uh Job 38.4 seems to support that. So angels were created first, then the world was created, and we know after the universe was created, on day six, God made man. All right. uh, now, we got that timeline, but we don't know how long that timeline is, and we don't know what the spacing was between those. After God created man, all of a sudden Satan appears in the garden and tempts Eve. So those are the events that we know in order. God created angels, God created the world, God created man, and Satan tempted Eve. Beyond that, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us when the Satan, the angel, was kicked out of heaven, uh, when he was sent to earth, uh, how long all that lasted, uh, the time periods in between. Uh, we do not know. So I can't answer that question. Uh, just no no Bible clue about uh, when Satan was sent to earth. All right, we are out of time for questions today, but we're glad that uh, hopefully we got yours answered today. And if not, we're going to be back next week and try to answer some more. Let's make sure we get our daily trivia question answered. Uh, I have to apologize. This one was a little bit of a trick question. The apostle who was a former tax collector was Levi, James, or Matthew, and to get it right, you had to pick two of them. Uh, he was called Levi, and he was also called Matthew. So you can look in Matthew 9, Mark 2, Luke 5, 
all mention the same apostle and uh, either Levi or Matthew were what he was called. All right, we're out of time, but uh, like I said, we're going to be back next week and get some more of your questions answered. Uh, We're happy that you've been with us today, and uh, if we stirred something in your mind, give us a call and let us know what you want us to talk about. Glad you've been with us, and until next week, hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.